This is the chop up, this is the chop up, this is the chop up and no one can do it live. My name is Cam G, the coolest, allow me to do the honor. I'm with my sister Toya G and she's straight out of KC. Moved to the west coast but still gon' keep it G. We got together to give the people something that's free. The chop up should come off organically cause on the mic, on the phone, we have these conversations anyway. And make sure you chop it up with us on the social media and you can chop up any day cause you can stream us in any place and Sister Toya G, what's going on? What's going on, Cam G? How you doing? Living, loving life right now. So right. glad to be back on. For real. It's just crazy. We took a little absence on y'all. I mean, I think, you know, it's necessary. Like, the seasons change. We change and a lot of stuff is happening. You know what I'm saying? So, for real, like, the summer was already wild for me. I did a whole lot of moving around. And I think that was the last time we really got to, to record an episode. is like May or something like that. So, look. We both been on the move. I ain't been the only one you've been moving to, so. Yeah, yeah, it's been all for, all for good things, though, and having good experiences, and we just continuing to grow, so we got some big stuff on the horizon. That's absolutely true. You know, this is just, the, it's the chop up reloaded, you know what I'm saying? Like, we back at this thing, so don't ever think we gone too long. We always got y'all in mind. Um, Definitely appreciate everybody who's following the Facebook group, the chop up uh, on Facebook. I think. We're going to try to move to an Instagram situation real quick. It's a lot of different platforms, a lot of different stuff going on that we already doing. So we're really trying to diversify things. But stay tuned um, and stay on the post of the chop up because we're about to get better with these posts, about to get better about um, creating some conversation. And we want y'all to follow along with that. So you know we on iTunes, you know we on SoundCloud, uh, but make sure that you are jumping on the whole shebang by getting on the Facebook so you can get the whole experience, all right? Stay with it. Definitely, please. It's the chop up. It's the chop up. Oh, well, with, with it being the chop up, you already know we got some excellence chop. And we got friends doing big things in big places. Uh, we wanted to hit on our brother, our friend. Definitely. Uh, I call him Dr. Watch. Dr. Watch. Ironically, I do too. That's his name on my phone. But shout out. Uh, to my man's Ryan Wash, uh, my debate partner, a uh, good friend of mine. We've been friends since high school. Uh, we went to college together. That's where you and Ryan end up linking up, and, and I, I made that connection happen, you know, because yes, I'm, I'm yes, tight like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my man's actually made some history. He is a part of a team. Uh, he and Elijah Smith, our other little brother, um, shout out to him, were the first. Yeah, black men in the history of college debate, black queer men in the history of college debate um, to win both championships in the same season, both CETA, the Cross-Examination Debate Association Championships, and the National Debate Tournament Championships in the same year. Uh, That was 2013. So that was the year after Ryan and myself uh, stopped debating together. I graduated and went to grad school, so I was actually coaching against him. Um, we ain't going to get into that, you know what I'm saying? Had a pretty good success record. You know, I love my little brother, but I, I know how to get in there. But nah, um, did our thing or did their thing, actually, at CD and the NDT, ended up winning it. And most recently, Ryan then coaches at Rutgers or coaches for Rutgers University um, from Newark, you know, in Newark, New Jersey, and has coached a team to do it again. So he's actually won four championships uh, at this particular point doing his thing. The reason why he's on black excellence, though, is not just because of the ships. You know, the ships are good. You know, that's beautiful. Um, And we're celebrating that. But uh, he has a feature on NPR's Radio Lab. And uh, the episode is called Debatable. And this is where Ryan is featured on there, kind of talking about his experience, winning the championships, doing his thing, start debating in Kansas City, Missouri. Shout out to the town. And... Um, ultimately the right people heard it. Um, they caught wind of it. They ended up getting into it and, um, offered him the opportunity to make a movie. And since then the movie has been picked up, uh, by part B productions, which is a production company associated with Brad Pitt. Same people who had a hand in moonlight, same people who had a hand in, um, a whole bunch. I'm always forgetting. Uh, it's another film that was real popular. That came out today. I think Twelve Years a Slave, and so they just production. yeah they they are big on telling stories, and so 
they latch on to that, taking it. Uh, apparently, if everything goes well, it's going to be on the big screen at some point. And I don't want to give too many details, but it'll like tell the story of his journey um, in debate and kind of a couple different debate partners. Uh, your girl, you know, somebody who looks, acts, and, and portrays themselves to be me might be featured in that thing. So stay tuned. Um, you know, she better be fine. That's all I'm saying. She better be fine. She better be fine. But... Um, Shout out to the man Ryan Wash uh, for working. Yeah. He's also, I think, got some producing and writing credits associated with the movie. So uh, it's real. It's real right now. You know, that's that's big time, and I'm just you know so proud to, to know someone that's going to be able to tell their story. And you know, a lot of times you can telling your story, you can change lives doing that. So that, that being on the screen and him being able to tell his story, and I'm sure Elijah's and yours and anyone else that influence him will, will be in there as well so that's that'll be really cool to see and and seeing him on that run during that time uh that's i feel like we got uh closer than that time that was a year after you left you were at wake and he was just kind of educating me further on debate and how it went so i was able to see some of the debates that led up to the championships and i remember watching the, the stream yeah and yeah. going to sleep because <laughs> it was in, so late yeah so, in the in the middle of the night it was tense, you know. I'm sitting there in my living room at my spot, and I'm just like, I right, I gotta go to bed, you know. Definitely. And, and I'm asleep, but the stream is still going. I just hear like a roar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I feel like did it cut out? It may it may have. I mean, because all of the chaos. I mean, it was two championships. One they beat uh, the University of West Georgia. The other they beat uh, Northwestern. And so uh, that's the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah, this, I, I remember the, the roar vividly, you know, so that was, you know, that was really cool and just to, to, you know, to know them and, you know, you kind of just sitting there like, man, this is history, like, this is really history and to know that they're making a, a film about it, um, that is just, it's really it's, dope. It's and, a blessing. Uh, very proud, yeah, very proud to, to have, have seen them do that. Shout out to Ryan Watts. Shout out to Elijah for the accomplishment. But shout out to this whole film situation. It's, it's, I'm, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be on the red carpet, y'all. I'm going to be on the red carpet. I'm going to be on, I'm, I'm on the red carpet. All right, but that ain't, that ain't even it, though. That ain't even it, though. So, Jill Scott, talk to us about this Jill Scott situation. What's she doing? Okay, we got Jill Scott uh, hitting the, the comic sphere. Uh, she's going to be a villain in a new CW show called Black Lightning. Um, she will be called Lady Eve, and that show will premiere next year. So, you know, I'm into the to the comic show. Not not much into DC and more of a Marvel Marvel stand. So, right on, right on. But I'm I'm always supportive of uh, our our black folks getting in the, in that that universe because um, the representation matters. So I respect it a whole lot. And I love Jill Scott. I love Jill Scott. So. Very talented. Yeah. She got spirit. To see her as a villain, that would be interesting. So we'll see. I, I, I probably will be checking that out just just for that. She's a villain, so I'm not really sure how that's gonna work out. I mean, I wanna like if you seen the shade she was throwing and uh, why did I get married or whatever? Like how she when she when she was like nice and sweet and amazing until she got uh, pushed over the edge and he started, you know, what I'm saying doing it wrong and she turned, she flipped. So. I can see it. Like I know. I mean, she she got the black the black woman. It's just it's so thick in her. You know what I'm saying? Like it's in there. You know what I'm saying? Agitated, frustrated, flash on you. I mean, that's not our primary go to. We definitely are multifaceted, well developed creatures. But honey, if don't nobody else know how to get an attitude with you, um, you know what I'm saying? I love my mama, but you know I seen villains. I right? you know what I'm saying? Like you are the bad person in this situation in this scenario. You know what I'm saying? So. I mean, I know that she could probably fit, flip that switch, and I think um, seeing her in a comic book role, you know, taking on not just the average black woman, but a character and portraying somebody villainous and anger or whatever, I know she got the flex for that. You know what I'm saying? I think it'd be nice to see her bridge that gap between playing um, a, I don't want to say a human role, but, you know, like a, the, the role of a person that could actually exist versus, like, a mythical character that has, like, superpowers right. and, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm excited to see it all. The same way we're going to see a whole bunch of, you know, these beautiful black people in, in Black Panther filling a whole bunch of different roles and doing a whole bunch of stuff. Like, it's going to be nice to see the flex. So, yeah. Lit. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this show, when do you do you know when the show starts? And when, when 2018. 2018. 2018. Got it. Um, probably, in the, I think it's said February, possibly. So, it'll be coming soon. 
beginning of the year, and then I, like you mentioned, Black Panther, that'll be a few months after that. Well, yeah. This ain't my lane, but you know, I I gotta do it. What they say, what Issa Rae say, I want the black people to win. <laughs> like I want all the yeah. black people to win. So What's up? um Cheering so be on. it. I'm with it, I'm with it, I'm with it. And then the last piece of excellence shop is Randall Wood Woodfin. I'm sorry, Randall Woodfin, who is the thirty six year old Morehouse graduate that recently became the mayor of Birmingham, Alabama, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Birmingham, Alabama. Ooh, we right. Um, this is important because uh, Mayor Woodfin is officially the youngest mayor to ever ever preside over that position in the history of uh, Birmingham. And I mean, that's wild. You know what I'm saying in terms of the age thing. Just because I mean, shoot, you know, we knocking at thirty. You know, hello, it'll be you look close. You look closer than I. You know what I'm saying? No big deal. February's coming soon, honey. Be careful. Um, that'd be 29 ticks on the clock for you, but, oh, um, <laughs> at the same time, you know, 36 is not, you know, that's, that's, that's a hop, skip and a jump from here, uh, from where we are right now. So I couldn't imagine, you know, Birmingham, that's of all the places in Alabama, that's what we know about, you know, that's what the broader, I think American public, you know, knows mm-hmm. in correlation to that state. So that's a big deal. That's a big city. It's a major city. I won't say it's state capital cause I don't even know, but, uh, yeah. maybe, uh, but that's cool. that's deep, and then not to mention it's the South, it's Burma, it's Alabama. They let a Dixie black South, man Dixie be South. Dixie South. A black man is now the mayor of you know a major American city down there, and so I mean that's deep. You know, coming from an HBCU, you know that's that's representation on all levels, and I think that demonstrates, um, you know, some of that again that flexibility of black right. excellence. We coming from everywhere. We coming from all angles. And we're here to take all spots, including the ones that y'all made and the ones we created. You know what I'm saying? So, since we came here. Shout out to uh, Morehouse. Yeah. Um, they played a big role in funding his campaign and, and putting him in office. The yeah. person that was, was the uh, mayor before was there maybe. It, it was a, it was a, a long tenure mm-hmm. for that mayor. I'm not sure. That, I want to say the wrong year, but he was there for a minute. And uh, the alumni got together and supported him, and along with some Spelman graduates as well, and put their money together from all over the country, and and mm-hmm. supported him and got him in office. And you know, this uh, city would you know um, have terrible racial tension, deep south. So the fact that we can get someone in position of power, um, I mean, it's big, big time. Absolutely, I yeah, I don't think we can understate just like. I think that how how dope it is that people kind of put together their money and collectivize to create a reality. Like they literally unseated somebody like that had already had the spot in the position. Like, you know how hard that is in any lane that you get in. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody's already been there, they've been doing the job, they've already been invested, they've already kind of demonstrated themselves. Good, Even at some point, sometimes even good, bad or indifferent. People are so, you know, uh, uh, reluctant to change that. They just like, yeah, we good with this. He could just die here and then we'll figure it out later. You know what I'm saying? And so he literally provoked the interest and, and probed at the needs of those people so well and collectivized some people to jump behind him that it was almost um a, a stance being take, taken. You know, and I one thing I don't know in the articles that we read is like a lot about his platform, like, you know, the issues that he has you know, orientated himself around and, you know, some of the focuses and the objectives of his, his time in office and his term. But I'll be interested to see, you know, what he did to entice them like that, what he did to kind of set up a platform uh, that they wanted to rally around, you know what I'm saying, as opposed to something else. Because, I mean, that's... Well, he went door to door. Um, hmm. He said he went from uh, knocking on doors to sending text messages. He, um, they recorded over 11,000 uh, making phone calls and... Um, and he said he truly believed in investing in the in the people. So that's he invested his time into making these efforts, and the people saw that and and uh, they got behind that. You know what's so, wild is when you look at politics. Like that's a that's a unique idea. <laughs> like you know that's that's not how it's done at all. These times you know going door to door, you can knock them on door, I might not answer the door. Mm. So <laughs> you know. You know what? Uh, did you get a text? Nah. Bruh. Nah. Bruh. <laughs> yeah. So, the people that answer the door, kudos to y'all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
answered those phone calls, but they it got them. It worked. They got them out, and they they went to go vote. So they in there. I mean, shoot, and they they you know we talked about the ballot of the bullet, and I think. Um, you know, we talked about that around election time and it applies more in this context now, I think, than ever, where it's like, you know, you have options. Either you vote and you vote and invest your capacity wisely to, you know, create a reality, create the candidate, create the position, create fulfilling that position and what that looks like for yourselves by selecting somebody and rallying around them and not just not participating at all. Or you don't participate with a purpose because you're building something outside of that. You have objectives outside of the state, outside of the system, outside of the enclaves of, you know, the government, city, state, local, federal, whatever. And you just like, we building around that and without y'all. You can't sit on your hands, though. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the option that people can't afford to get into and that, you know, people... Because people are generally politi- politically apathetic right now. Like, people just like, I don't care about y'all. I hate y'all. Y'all are creating false narratives. Y'all are terrible people. Y'all lie. Y'all mudsling. Y'all do all this weird shit. So I'm not even voting for nobody, which is dangerous. You know, instead of, shit, rising to the occasion and becoming the person that they want to be, becoming the candidate that they need to be, um, making a decision right there and drawing a line and being like, I live in this community. I'm going to fight for it. A lot of people don't do that. And so when somebody does... Um, it's a refreshing, it's a breath of fresh air, it's refreshing, it's exciting, and all it takes is a little bit of push to get behind something that you want and you see it start to come to pass. So, shout out to Randall Woodfin, a 36-year-old Morehouse graduate who just became the mayor of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, the youngest mayor of Birmingham, Alabama in the history of that city. Shout out to Jill Scott, cooking and doing her thing, about to be a DC villain for the name of the show is what again? Black Lightning. Black Lightning. CW. On the C-Dub. Mm-hmm. Lady Eve is her name. Right on. Lady Eve. And then shout out to Ron Walsh. Uh, working on a film project. You know, we don't even have the name of it. I think we'll probably come back and drop some more exclusive information once we get it. You know, I got the plug. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> uh, we got the plug, too. So we'll figure out what that looks like and talk to y'all more about that as it develops. But that's the excellence chop real quick. Let's go ahead while we're at it and slide into the political chop. Uh... What I want to talk about, interestingly enough, as the sirens pass us by, sorry about that, um, uh-uh. is, yeah, it's going down. They call it anacron over here, even though it's the middle of Orange County. I don't believe none of that, but they were trying to act like it goes down. Uh, <laughs> anacron, California. Why people so loud or like name, nickname their city some, some negative bullshit? Bruh, I grew up in Killer City. Yeah, I know. I was, I was, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's some other ones out there, but... Yeah, what you from the dirty, dirty D? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be associated with dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm I take showers. Yeah. <laughs> the odor, you know, I'm from Kansas City. You know, it's all good. Um, and a crime, though. Come on. I mean, listen. You know, these people ain't got no flair, no flavor out here. They trying. They trying to shoot their shots. Um, I will say. Um, I won't say. I'm not gonna say that. We finna digress. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I'm, I'm not even. I'm not gonna do it. But the political chop on this episode is uh, really questioning, interrogating 2017 protest politics. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are we? What are we doing in terms of protesting as uh, a black people, as American people? You know, this whole freedom of speech and freedom of expression debate has gotten real sticky as it always has. You know what I'm saying? It's as vague as anything else that exists in this society, right? Like, what, what, what are we doing? Like, how are protests, you know, are protests getting results? What is a protest these days, right? I think a lot of people are being able to call things protests, and that's a very flippant term that's being applied to everything. But, like, what makes a protest successful? Um, what's the purpose of a protest? Like, and then the last thing I really kind of want to get into is this idea, and maybe it's going to be the first thing we get into, because I think a lot of people are saying now the best method is, like, economic protest, right? And they're like, Basically, do what we can with our money to make a point about our decisions. We got the whole uh, Kaepernick situation and kneeling and people, you know, not buying NFL Network, not canceling their season tickets, uh, you know what I'm saying, burning up jerseys and stuff like that, just like literally withdrawing fiscal support for the NFL, like in general, not watching, not giving them ratings, all types of stuff like that. And that's supposed to be the solution and the method. 
but I'm I'm weary of that, and I'm weary yeah, of people, this. People have been doing that canceling things and like that, but they had a Thursday night game where the the ratings were up almost thirty percent from last year. Wow, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, economic. I do believe in that, but it seems that you know, like the more you talk about it, the more people watch. Like we saw that with Trump, it appeared to me that. The more we talk about it, the more it's like galvanizing people. And that's so wild to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, not only that, the more you talk about them, the more it really does start to spur, like you said, and galvanize individuals to, you know, put themselves in situations they probably would have not paid attention to before. But it also, mm-hmm. I think the same way with Trump, we thought we was doing enough. We thought enough people were dissenting. We thought enough people were upset and angry. And so, you know, it was a no-brainer. Of course, that thing is going to cave in. Of course, he's not going to win or whatever. And you're forgetting, nah, there's some diehards out there. There's some people who ain't moving. There's some people who don't care. There's some people who have vested interest in making sure that these things are still accessible and available to people. So, you know, Applebee's not finna stop playing the game. Chillers and them not finna cut it off. Buffalo Wild Wings ain't finna cut it off. Your 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 family, the long line of of quarterbacks, cornerbacks, linebackers, and offensive line persons, linemen. Uh, you know, I'll be trying not to use gender language. Uh, but yeah, I they you know exist, and you know this is what we do. This is 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 as much as in our blood and our DNA as anything else is as an American, as a black person, as a person from the South, as a part of Texas football, Florida football. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear all of that stuff. And so, domestic violence wasn't enough. Concussions oh. wasn't enough. CTE wasn't oh. enough. Uh, this ain't enough. Like, what is the breaking point? What is the point of the protest if, in the end game, even economically? And I use a parallel example of Black Friday. Like, you can holler, Black is coming up. And when I tell oh. you we finna start seeing all these memes and all these posts about buying Black and not supporting, you know, retail stores and don't do Black Friday or whatever... You know, you already you already know what people are finna do. And so I don't know, like it's it's really hard to to, to navigate that because I I feel really torn if I'm speaking towards the NFL process. Like I, I really feel some type of way about the about Kaepernick not being signed and um, you know, reading that book Fifty Million Dollar Slave and you see how the the athletes are the actual commodities. They're treated like property, you know, yeah. um, and they can't really determine. I mean, to an extent, they really, but they really can't determine their future. You can be on the on the team and get cut like like nothing, and, and have no job. So I mean, I've been playing football since I was seven, played since I was twenty two, and it's just it was. I really felt those those strings pulling. When mm-hmm. this situation was coming about, like, dang, you know, do you not watch? You not? And then I saw some things that the Cowboys did. And at this point, even with, even with my squad, I feel really indifferent to their success or failure mm-hmm. at this point because of that stance. It's like, I can't not watch, but you're not going to see me in here, like, just super excited if that they won mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm mad because they lost because of just those stances they've chose to take, you know, me as a as a – Black man, it's like y'all don't give a damn. Jerry Jones will give a damn about me. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's, it's one of those things that it's it's a constant conversation I'm having, and I'll probably continue to have it as the football season goes on. So right. I don't know. Have you like seen anything like that or experienced like that? Because I know you're a Chiefs fan. Um, the Chiefs have great fans, and I don't know what you're thinking about like um. like that. The whole organization, Andy Reid has come out and said, you know, he won't focus the stand. He thinks that that's the appropriate thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's, like, the type of rain coach. Like, I'm going to hold the reins on you. Like, you better not do this, boy. Like, we're going to go out right. here and this is what we're going to do. I don't. He doesn't strike me as that type of leader. And so, I think. And Jerry Jones supports that type of mm-hmm. thinking. You know what I'm saying? So, that's, that's what my issue is. I mean, we see Marcus Peters. Who was one of the first, you know, and most consistent players to start to kneel, and he did it before it was popular. He did it before it was cool. He did it knowing it was high stakes and it was a lot to lose, and he still, to this day, invests himself in that. I think the interesting about thing about Marcus Peters that I read was that he don't even tell people why people he kneels. Like he won't he won't answer that question. Like when people ask why, he 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 declines to respond to that. And so I think that's interesting. I but can I feel that. I can feel that. Go ahead. I got something to add. Please. Go ahead. 
I feel that a lot. And I, I rock with it largely because I think it feeds back and folds back into I'm not about to let you take and hijack my purpose for being here. I'm not about to let you take no sound bites and add to or take away from nothing. I'm here. I'm doing my due diligence based on the rights that I've already, you know what I'm saying, very tangentially been offered to me. This is pretty much all I have left is the agency and autonomy of my body. And you're not finna ask me beyond that why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got a homegirl that, uh, you know what I'm saying, is like weary about shaking hands. You know what I'm saying? And at first, it kind of threw me off like, and then I had to realize I can't tell you. I mean, I don't get anything or miss anything by not touching you. So mm-hmm. I don't get to be offended because that's not what you do. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's just how you don't you don't work your body this way. And in response to a certain song, when you hit a certain you know assortment of keys and strings, dun 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 dun, dun, dun people they body just bloop it just go down and you can't do nothing about that. You know what I'm saying? Like ain't no land of the free, home of the brave. I don't really connect with that. Next verse got slaves in it, and so he going down. But how do you feel about <laughs> how do you feel about uh, the lack of explanations, but he was about to say something like, "Oh, the lack." I mean, I just I feel him while he does the same thing because some things understood don't need to be said, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, like I, that's why I'm trying, I really feel that. You offered the Cam G the coolest explanation of why he ain't. <laughs> if it's understood, it ain't got to be said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, I really, I really dig his play and his his demeanor and hearing his sound bites. I'm like, yeah, I fool with Marcus Peters and you got the same position, you know, eh? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I was taking out the cornerbacks. So, <laughs> um, former, I don't play that anymore, but. Um, you know anybody can get this work down the field quickly. I still go test out the skills. We know, we know, we know. Let's see. Tell us right. Now, well, I remember a couple of times being uh, being in school, you know, before the National Anthem, when we lined up for the National Anthem. And I always took it as a, as a time to kind of like you know kind of clear my head. And a couple times, you know, thoughts running across my head, you know, looking at the flag, seeing it flying, you just like, man, this shit really ain't for me. Yeah. Like that is a thought that actually ran through my head. But just again, it's you know, this is the only place I know. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's not really for us. It's not really for me. The things that have been done, no one they don't acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they continue to you know perpetuate these things and when you kind of sitting there before a game you're having this thought like this country really give a damn about it <laughs> Period. You, know, you put your helmet on go on for the kickoff or return or whatever and it's like I can feel that like and I know before I got to it for you I was uh, I got accepted to the Air Force prep, prep uh, preparatory school mm-hmm. and you know recently they just had they were in the news because of some uh, some cadets were writing uh, go home, nigga, on the uh, on mm-hmm. some students' dorms. Of course. And you know the the lieutenant, or whatever, you know, addressed the the class very sternly. All that I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, okay, I, I did see that. I did see that clip. You remember that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember, you know, every morning you go out salute the flag. And I remember having that same thought then, and that's what made me realize I didn't need to be there. Mm. Uh, there it was some other things going on, but I just didn't think I'd be more than willing to do things for my country if my country is going to respect me. Right. More, it's no question, it's no hesitation when it comes to like your life and putting your life online for something. So that was that was kind of the root before I left. So seeing the protests come up. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I get it. It makes sense. You don't got to give an explanation. You know, there's been Department of Justice reports that have gone out multiple times. There's countless uh, examples, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, that people choose to ignore willful mm-hmm. ignorance. Absolutely. You know, so I'm down for that. And, you know, people come out and say, no, it's not disrespect. It's not disrespect. Well, I, I feel like we need to start calling it disrespect. Mm. And the reason why is because as black people in this country, we have not been respected. True. So we can go tit for tat. <laughs> I mean, at this point, that, like the petty is so the petty is so deep. You know what I'm saying? Like the petty is so deep that, like, to a certain extent, it's like. And I mean, I think that's a whole lot of people's response. Like, I'm I'm giving you the dust that you serve me. You know what I mean? Like, in so many words. 
Like, I just don't have it in me anymore to play this charade. You saying it like I'm saying it. You got the same social media, the same CNN, the same whatever that I got, the same local news, the same national news. To a certain extent, like, it, like you said, it's will for ignorance. If you don't know at this point, it's because you don't want to know. And right. that's cool, too. But, I'm, you know, I still got to hold ignorance accountable. What the law say, that the, even the police will tell you ignorance of the law is no excuse. Hey. So, you know, if people, if the new law around town for black folk is I'm finna walk with my chest poked out, I'm about to have some pride and some boldness, some integrity and some dignity about myself, and you're going to treat me as such, and you miss the memo, that's your bag. You know what I'm saying? And and you kind of got to deal with that. Like, I say the last time I had to, to, was in a situation where the Pledge of Allegiance happened was, honestly, when I was in Emporia... Um, probably when I worked there. So this was probably like 14 and 14 or 15, 14 or so. And, uh, I think our friend Whitney was in skating in the roller derby. Ah, um, Coco. Yeah. Young Coco doing the thing, skating, uh, at the skating rink out there at the roller derby thing. And they had to get up and do the pledge. Me and Deja was there. Shout out to Deja. And... That thing hit, and I was like, I don't, I don't got it in me. Like, I just sat there, and I'm in a skating ring full of white people. You know what I'm saying? And I I didn't look around. You know, I wasn't trying to see if you was looking, because I did what I did. It's Nanini. I said what I said. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it was very much, I mean, I'm down now. So, yeah, yeah. you know, do what you going to do. But I'm a nigga. At that time, I had a whole afro. Like, if you really, come on, what's up? I might have been in that thing with a sheiky on. Ain't no telling. And so if it's too many questions, we can talk about that. But I wasn't approached. I don't know if people stared at me and probably people rolled their eyes. I don't know. But that was one of the last times. I That was the last time I think I had the opportunity. And the last time I was just like, mm, nah, I'm good. And I ain't no disrespect. I ain't, you know, whatever. I'm just not getting up. Uh, I'm good on that. And I sat right there in that steel chair. And the song passed. And everybody was okay. And they went on and played roller derby. It didn't. It, things went on. Around and without me. You know what I'm saying? And I understand that. And so, like, I say that to say, like, I seen a clip of two L.A. Laker fans, I think, or something like that, posted and chilling. And they sat and then got beer poured all over them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you got these cheering. You had po- you was talking about some articles you came around or came across of some oh, students. Yeah, yeah. You, you got some schools that are actually... You know, doing this uh, one in Missouri, the college, um, College of the Ozarks. Uh, one of their principles or pillars they try to teach is patriotic education. So they will not compete with anyone that kneels during the anthem. Hmm. They will forfeit the contest on, across all sports. Wow. You know, this is this is Missouri. Then you had a school in Louisiana, Bolger City, Louisiana. Um, you can lose playing time for kneeling. Um, and the ACLU came out and came out like, no, that's unconstitutional. Right. Um, so I will, I guess that is, that's still developing. But then out here in Texas, a uh, very small school, very small school, had two players actually kicked off the team. What pissed me off so much about this was the coach actually made them undress right there on the field. And this is at a at a I'm sorry I do not have a name right now. It's a private school, Christian school I believe. They play six man football. Made them strip down, um, um, at the game on the sideline in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, this is this is where we're at yeah, with that. It's, I mean. Um, Go ahead, go ahead. I'm, I'm trying to find a name. You good? You good? I just—it's so frustrating. I think, you know, because my my the ultimate question that you know one of the questions that I asked at the beginning is like, you know, what do we do to get results? I think people, you know, forget that a protest or a boycott, you know, whatever you want to call it, in terms of what's what it's looking like, whether or not you standing in the middle of a street, you know what I'm saying, and you angry about something or whatever, or you are you know, not participating in something, you're not buying NFL package, you're not doing whatever, whatever, whatever. It's like, you got to have something else to go with that. Like, it got to have tentacles to it. And I think that's the thing that makes me kind of blah about all of these methods and tactics of, like, 
doing stuff. I mean, and our hands are tied. Like people, your the natural response, the debater in me is gonna be like, okay, so what's your solution? So you saying this and this and this don't work. So what are you saying will work? And I'm not saying I know. I'm just saying, and and I know we got hella constraints. Like people want to pretend like we in a real liberalist society, but we really have our hands and feet tied a lot of time. And so I don't I don't know this ideal world that I'm trying to explain or create. I just know that the way that people execute shit, like boycott and protest, are very we did it or whatever, or it's hot now or whatever, and yeah. it's dead. And it ain't no, it ain't no, it ain't no. There is no longevity to it. There's no long standing with it. Like, and that's why I think instead of maybe, and this is pulling from the book of, you know, Adam Jackson, Davon Love, and Deverick uh, Murray, in turn, and, and, and Breon, shout out to Breon, hold it down, Lady Breon, um, and LBS, they're very much not black nationalists, but individuals invested in creating or understanding that we are in a nation full of black people and that these black people deserve autonomy, the ability to exist and to thrive and do their own thing. And so they're a political think tank and their whole approach to doing that is to invest themselves in the political processes that exist so that they can basically exploit them and, you know, develop, not really an exploited strong language, understand what I'm saying when I say that, but exploit the ways that they function go and kind of circumnavigate what they do in order to really get resources and the ability to build the black people. And it's reminiscent of what you were saying all of these alums did when they got behind Randall Woodfin exactly. in terms of saying, okay, we can't really get our message across to probably this old antiquated approach, this very probably racist approach, very problematic approach to governing Birmingham through this one leader. So we just finna throw all our money behind this other person. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's what's necessary is like, I, I think instead of boycotting, like you got to buy into something. I don't think buying out or pulling your money out of stuff is effective, is as effective as taking your money and spending it somewhere else. Like investments. You don't got to look at it buying into it and investing into something. Facts. You know, I mean, those, and I don't know what that thing things. is. Go ahead, my bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's worth the shot, you know, that's what that's what was done in uh, Birmingham. Yeah. They invested into into their guy, and now it's up to him to make sure that he that he, uh, that he does what he said he was going to do. But you know, the, the the voters can also hold him accountable as well. Definitely. But um, you know, just keep doing that. Just copy that, and let's see it see it spread, which I feel like it is. We see it here and there. You know, you had a lot of uh, young politicians got elected uh, last last fall, like Detroit and cities that we really need that representation. So I'm, I'm hoping that's a trend that we're going to continue to see. True. I mean, here's what I'm, I, I got two hot takes, and then I'm done kind of thinking about uh, protesting for a bit. Uh, okay. First is I really wonder... Sometimes I get lost in, like, you know, my thoughts, and I start to be like, okay, what, you know, oh, let's not forget, we saw a report before the show started that Colin Kaepernick is no longer protesting, right, if he yep. gets the opportunity to get a job. And so uh, he is back trying to get on the team, back trying to do his thing. And, you know, this is in a world where I feel like it's something more to Colin Kaepernick. I don't think he's just like, I'm trying to get a job again. I think he's like, y'all done took my protest, y'all done hijacked it, y'all did some weird shit to it, so there ain't even no point in doing it no more because it doesn't right. represent what it used to. And I think it's something bigger that maybe is in store or a bigger purpose for why he stopped protesting. But I start thinking, like, in terms of the livelihood of niggas, like, everybody argument, I was reading Twitter when they with, uh, on Twitter, and they was talking about him getting back into it, and they was like, niggas got to eat. You know, he need money. Like, we can't be mad at him. He got to survive. Like, you want to say don't give up on the movement, don't give up on the cause, but, you know, he got to survive too. And so his point was made, and da, 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 a lot of people were sympathizing for him. And, and I kind of felt that in the sense that who am I in a league that does employ so many black players to then protest something that can directly and punitively affect their pockets yeah, and their ability exactly. to survive? You know what I'm saying? And now given... It's so weird. Like, I'm the debater. This is the debater in me. The response to that is, well, you don't need millions of dollars to live and survive. So if you lose a little bit of your money, whatever, because you already living a life and a lifestyle that's not afforded to me as a, as a viewer anyway. 
You know what I'm saying? So you got bread and got guap. But then the other side of it is like, it's the principle on GP. I'm a black man in a league that pays a certain amount of money for a certain job and a certain task. I deserve all of that. I shouldn't, I don't deserve to lose because these white people build a fucked up system, a fucked up game, and I'm kind of trapped in it. You see what I'm saying? You see the debate going back and forth in my head? Like, yeah. part of me is like, yeah, you got to protest, you got to do whatever. The other side of it is we are taking money away from black men who deserve black. You know what I'm saying? Who have been fighting to be quarterbacks in this league, who've been fighting to be head coaches in this league, who are fighting to one day be owners in this league, you know what I'm saying? And to make decisions and and be the button pushers, the the button pushers, the people, what I call the people with power. And uh, you take that opportunity away from them. And so it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, that, that's something that I, I didn't think about. Like, I have a high school teammate in the NFL and thinking about, like, you know, his family and how, like, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him, but I just wonder, like, how they feel about the protests and, like, people turning the games off and, you know, how that could affect long-term. I'm sure short-term you don't feel that, but, you know, if someone want to have a long career, is there something, a trend of, of money not being made, you know, mm-hmm. eyebrows start to raise, but I don't know. It's, it's That's a, that's a definitely a, a issue that has came up when I was thinking about, thinking about all this, so I don't know. It's, but the process has gone on so long that it's been co-opted and now the message has been lost, so What's I mean, the point? I feel Kaepernick on what he's saying about I'm not protesting, trying to get a job, he's trying to eat, because um, he's been more than generous. Yeah, that's let's uh, not forget. Yeah. It ain't even like he's been blowing his money. He's been spending it. You know yeah, what I'm so saying? On on causes, on shit. What did he do? Mills on Wheels. Some got got defunded. He threw some money back at the whole bunch of he, stuff. He's been, he been throwing big chunks of change at, at multiple causes. And, and I think he just popped up in New York and did some backpacks and did like, you know, the 25K. You know, he just randomly popping up places and showing love. And, you know, that's what we need. But we need him to keep <laughs> making money if he's he going to keep I mean, but I mean, I I dare to believe though. I mean, cool. You say I stand up. That don't mean you're not gonna be policed, and that your whole move is not gonna interrogate it because you're radioactive now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still don't think he's gonna get picked up. I think people gonna assume an ulterior motive. They're gonna assume certain things about him. They're gonna assume he's gonna be a pain in the ass, and they're not gonna really try to give him no job like that because he already soiled certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, I I feel like that black ball is gonna be continual. Ain't nobody being moved by the fact that, you know, what is his name, Brandon Wooden or whatever is a... Uh, Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon is a worse... Clearly, that don't nobody care about that. they like, whatever, as long as it ain't Colin Kaepernick, we good. They've made that painfully clear. And so I just feel like my man is already kind of... You know, like I, I use the term radioactive, has already kind of set it up to where ain't nobody finna rock with him because it's already presupposed that he finna be this radical nigga that's got something up his sleeve. But ain't that crazy, though? They'll put their... Racism over winning. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to help their pockets, but from what I've heard is that the NFL teams make a certain amount of money regardless. Huh. So the owners have no incentive to actually put out winning teams and, and good products. Oh, wow. So that's, so I don't know as a fan base, if you're able to hold them accountable to things like that, then maybe you see something different because winning, I mean, in professional sports, winning should be the. The, the ultimate goal, yeah. So it seems that the these races ideals have been put first, then then money, then winning. You know what I'm saying? Interesting, so like, <laughs> interesting. The priorities <laughs> of these white folk. Interesting. It's, the, it's just it's, there's no logic to reason. Like, like, come on, really? Yeah. Right. Got crazy. Foolishness, foolishness. Well. Um, I'm done hollering about protests. I no longer want to protest anymore. I don't want to, you know, I think, I feel like we've been on a protest with the music. So, um, we officially lifting the protest. We finna play some new jams real quick. Y'all go ahead and catch this vibe real quick. And we will be back with the last part of the chop up. Talk to you in a minute.
say that it be over in no time. I'm California dreaming. They say that it get over in no time. I really didn't believe it. My rolling on my own, let my go shine. Flooding my Jesus pieces. I'm thinking taking over in no time. That money, what I'm seeking. I'm coughing no some doja. So nigga, don't you blow my eye. I'm whipping test the roll That 40 with no hostile. I'm coughing no some doja. So nigga, don't you blow my eye. I'm whipping test the roll That 40 with no hostile. They say that it be over in no time. My money looking decent They say that it get over in no time And everything between it Your hoe gon' bend it over in no time And let me get between it I had a city buzzing in no time I'm scheming with the keenest I'm coughing no some doja So nigga don't you blow my Test the roll style That 40 with no hostile I'm coughing no some doja So nigga don't you blow my I'm whipping test the roll style That 40 with no hostile They say that it be over in no time My young niggas be geeking They say that it get over in no time Yeah, if you rapping, singing, spitting, writing, rhyming, plucking, stroking a key, playing a flute, if it's lit, we trying to hear you. Holla at us. Yeah. We, holla, we'll play holla. it. We'll play it. We'll play it. We trying to put you on. Hey, I definitely appreciate that, though. But we're going we gonna to wrap up this episode with some sports chop. Yee! All right, so this is... It's this basketball season. We got the NBA season. It's basketball season. Coming up. And I'm actually more excited for the basketball season, for the NBA season, than I have been in recent years. Absolutely. So we just wanted to kind of run through a few things, let y'all know what we're looking out for. I don't know if we'll overlap. I haven't heard your list yet. So, I haven't heard. Uh, I see yours, I'm but a, not really. Oh, you saw it. I'm gonna start it. Well, no, no, I think I'm gonna go ahead and start. Yeah. All right, so, this is some things that I, I'm keeping out for this NBA season. Um, number one, I'm gonna start out with my home team, Dallas Mavericks, Mass Fan for Life. Right. Uh, we drafted Dennis Smith Jr., ninth overall, and dude looks like, to me, to be like a mix between a Russell and a Damian Lillard. Like, he moves like Lillard. Has explosiveness like a Westbrook. Um, he's got a nice little jumper. He seems to be real cool. I'm um, from Fayetteville, North Carolina, so him and J. Cole are cool. Cute, um, cute, cute. Oh, yeah, so just, just a cool dude. Seen out a good demeanor, confident. We've been looking out for him um, this year. Don't sleep on him. Probably the likely candidate for rookie of the year. Okay. And then um, my second one was Minnesota. Right. Uh, got to go see what uh, old Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, I really, I really like his game, Jimmy Butler's game. Um, two-way player. Uh, then you got Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Wiggins, and then I just seen the the highlights from preseason game. I forgot Jamal Crawford was on the squad. You know, former Six Man of the Year. Oh wow, yeah. And that, I mean, honestly, and, one of my favorite players on the sneak. Yo, he's so smooth with it. You know, he's thirty-seven now. Nah, I mean, I imagine because he kind of got a young face, but he been yeah. around for so long. I'm like, he got to be old at this point. He's been on a lot of teams. Definitely. So he keeps getting buckets so that he keeps getting paid. Mm-hmm. So he, he did like a nice little crossover and took uh, Kevin Durant to the hole. Love it. Uh, I think last night. So he's still out here getting it. So that's going to be a really interesting team to see. They, I don't know if they're going to be like in contention, but I feel like they're going to they gonna turn some heads. Um, another thing I'm peeping out um, Carmelo at OKC and Chris Paul yeah. in Houston. Yeah. Just because they, you know, they both like had these long careers, came around, came in the league around the same time, and you know, still have 
getting to compete at the highest level of championship basketball. So, you know, this, their Western Conference is really stacked. They own new teams that got a good chances of competing, but it's so stacked. Like, you know, somebody's going to be left out. So, we don't have a great player that just doesn't really hit that apex of It's so wild you said that. Competing. It's so wild. You, this your topic. I mean, I guess not wild because we watching the same NBA. But yeah. my my approach to it on my list was like basically in terms of OKC and in Houston, who who gonna how they gonna share the ball? Who gonna who gonna shoot the ball? Like like I, I really know. they Houston may have more of issue with that than than OKC. Honestly, honestly, and so I mean, like I'm interested in both teams to see. I mean, but even we haven't tested them in terms of, you know, playing against some of the best teams and a lot of high-stakes situations and a lot of, you know, playing through people's droughts and stuff like that. And, multi- like, I just – I'm interested to see, you know, we always want such a quick turnaround of success from these players and these super teams that are getting created. I've noticed that ever since big threes have existed. Like, the first season, if they don't do it, it's like it was a dud and people sensationalize that without sitting back and realizing that these is players – who are unique people, they're individuals, they have a way that they learn how to play the game, they've adapted that through the teams that they've been on, now they got to come together and try to gel together. And so I think it's going to take some time for these teams to get together. The same thing happened in Cleveland, you know what I'm saying? When Kevin Love got there, it wasn't all hunky-dory, they had to sit there and really figure some stuff out. And so uh, I think there's a similar expectation, especially with so many scores. You know what I'm saying? These are high-volume shooters, high-volume scores. I think we can say that, like I said, even more assertively about, I mean, really both teams. I was about to say more about Houston, but really both teams. Like people, some people yeah, like to shoot the ball. Both, both but you know what I'm saying. I guess you know when it's all said and done, Golden State has shown us that firepower just ends up the ball end up in the bucket. But I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how some of this stuff starts to look in terms of just how the game get executed. So, uh, hey, I'm I'm with Definitely. it, but I want to see what these two experiments look like. Oh yeah, you got one more. This this the last. Part of my list, yeah. But one more experiment is Derrick Rose. Right. I'm really excited to see what he's gonna do on, on that team since Isaiah Thomas is gonna miss a good chunk of the season. Right. Derrick Rose is gonna get his chance to shine, and I feel like people sleeping on Derrick Rose a little bit. I'm, I'm a little, Derrick I'm Rose. a little tired. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little drowsy about Derrick Rose. Um, he, I mean, he's not the player he was that won the MVP, but he still can get buckets. Yeah. Um, he averaged 18 last year, so it wasn't like he was a slouch. Right. Um, that was on a bad New York team. So mm. he can still get buckets. I'm um, sure he'll be energized playing with LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I had to. But he also playing with other veterans that have been playing high-level basketball. So a lot of times situations – matter in sports and this may just be a good situation for him and I'm a big fan of Derrick Rose so I really hope he does well so don't sleep on Derrick Rose yeah right. so that's that's a few things I'm excited about for for this NBA season so since you've seen mine it wasn't any suspense for you I'm ready what's up with what's up with your what you looking forward to this season um I well to latch on to kind of what you just talked about I think the broader interesting thing that I was talk uh, I was moving toward in terms of Cleveland is like now can they compete you know you got Derrick Rose you got uh Dwayne Wade you got uh Jay Crowder you got some defense now a little bit I mean he only one person y'all still got some stuff to figure out but you lost some defensive non-defensive baggage and losing Kyrie you know what I'm saying so at least you can put at least another better defender on the floor so like, is that enough now? Like, I'm really, and I don't know, I say that with the tone of honest, sincere interrogation. Like, I just, I'm curious about how the experiment's going to play out. I also say that from a place of being sick of super teams and people trying to link up and do weird stuff. I knew uh, Dwayne Wade was going to uh, sign with Cleveland and play with LeBron oh, yeah. for a year. Not surprised. I was pissed at the switch and the swap uh, with IT. Now, I won't say pissed. Uh, but I did feel away, actually. You know what I'm saying? I do feel, you know, it's a, you know, the whole it's a business slash loyalty. But it was all weird across the board. This man lost his sister, T fell out, fought his heart out, 40, 50 point games, and you still cutting for for ran, randomly. You got Gordon Hayward, you got a potential system in a situation that you could at least see was gonna work, and then you just got, I guess, because they knew about the hit thing. But then if you knew about the hit thing, why would you try to trade him? Because the hit thing became a 
you know, Achilles heel to the trade for a second. And so right. it, it all just got very weird. The whole trade was odd and peculiar. And I, I don't really know what to do with it completely yet. And I'll talk about that on the other side of that trade. But uh, I want to see what Cleveland got, you know, see how they're going to cook, see what they're going to do. Um, in the same vein, on the other side of that trade, I do want to see what my Boston Celtics are going to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Celtics fan. We get down yeah. with the green and white. Um, and so – now that Kyrie is there, you know, very funny. He's on the cover of I, – I put Kyrie 2K18 uh, Urban because, you know, he's in the wrong jersey. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things that happened. Like, they literally made the trade, and then the next week the game was coming out. Um, yeah, it's too late. Yeah, they're already in production, bro. We're just going to – I mean, but I think it kind of fits. When I thought about it from a PR perspective and from a marketing perspective – um, I was like, this is kind of wise because on the game, you go through evolutions and trades and all types of interesting stuff happens to the storyline or whatever. So in a whole lot of interesting ways, Kyrie's switch and trade is A, going to be reflected in the game because as soon as you connect to the internet, it's going to update with the fact that he's on the other team. And, you know, it's reflective of how the game kind of functions in terms of how players get moved around and can't potentially be moved around based on your player mode and what you're, what you're doing. And so it was cute. I was like, I, I understand. I know I, I when, when stuff like that happens, I imagine what's, what the conversation in the boardroom is. Like, oh, shit. Okay, Bill, did you see the news? Yes, Sarah, I saw it. I don't know what the hell is going on. Well, Bruce, what do you think we should do? Well, Linda, we're not just going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what is the way that they have hashed out this interaction to get to the bottom line? And I've resolved that they decided that it is in line with what the game does anyway that players and fans of the game know how the league works and they deal with it and they'll be all right. So, cool. Um, But I do want to see what happens with the Kyrie world. He's kind of been doing cool in the preseason. First game came out kind of slow. Second game picked up, I think, scored in the double digits, maybe 22 or something like that. Um, And so I want to see him next to Gordon Hayward. I love – I'm a market smart fan. I really want to continue to see him develop and grow. Um, I'm also – a Jason Tatum fan. I am a uh, what's my nice man Jalen Brown fan. Nice piece. He he thought the trade was weird as well. Yeah, he, you know, he had a comment come out about you know you know we had an identity and we had expectations and y'all said this and said that and y'all just made a trade so this is weird but you know but okay probably get used to it yeah but. Very interesting roster though. I mean I like Al Horford. I think Al Horford's supposed to be moving over to center. Um, and so a, a lot of fun things happening, you know, in being town and I'm down for it. I'm really excited to see Boston play basketball. The last thing that I am actually pretty doggone lit for just because it's a switch up and a mix, it's a mix up from a broken system in the NBA is this change in the all-star game. So, um, they, and no longer is, is it East versus West instead, um, there is two team captains selected and they get to choose 12 players or something like that for their roster. And yeah. people just go play ball. You know what I'm saying? So it's interesting because uh, we'll see who ends up being the team captains. A lot of the inner workings of the system are not figured out. So, for example, in terms of, you know, how the team captains are chosen, I'm assuming it would be the first and second votes in, you know, in, so. in some voting system or whatever. Um, but cool. And then um, – but then they're like, well, who – you know, they still have to figure out who picks first. Um, and then how the picking system will work. Then it's also a question of whether or not that process will be televised or what it'll look like because, you know, NBA players don't want to be snubbed out. Nobody wants to be the last person picked or somebody who was supposed to be picked and not picked on national TV. So they don't want to make it, like, you know, dramatize it like national TV. Like, it's a whole bunch of stuff to consider. Um, and this is just kind of pulling from this article that I looked at. But I think it would be neat, especially when the score from last year's game, I think they, they took a whopping 133 three-point shots um, in that game. Uh, Steph, Steph Curry was uh, embarrassingly uh, supposed to be defending maybe LeBron going to the hole or something like that and coward and put his hands over his head and did some weird stuff. No, just no no defense, even more negative defense than he already plays. Um, Protecting that check. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, And I get it. Y'all don't want to get hurt. But at the same time, it's a lot of money invested in All-Star Weekends. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of money and viewership invested in it. And I think the score last year was like 192 to 188 or something stupid. Like, should no basketball score get that high? Like, y'all professional athletes, but y'all just out here lobbing threes and chilling. And it's bad for the brand. So I read, like, Adam Silver was already feeling some type of way about it. But when he got a call from Chris Paul about it, 
because Chris Paul didn't participate. He stayed home and he actually watched it as a fan. Now, keep in mind, Chris Paul is the chair or the president of the Players Association. Um, he got the chance to watch it as a fan. And, and, and Adam Silver was like, when Chris Paul called me the next morning, I was concerned. But when we actually talked about it, I was relieved because he saw the same stuff I did. Like, I knew something had to change, but I was scared that, you know, he was scared that Chris Paul was going to be like, you know, square biz, good bill, deal, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he was like, he doesn't recognize it's a broken product. He called like, this is dumb. <laughs> this is not good basketball. And so they went back to the chopping block, figured out something. All-star teams got team captains now. No more East versus West. Uh, it's a free-for-all. Team captains get to pick their teams, and then they're going to ball out. So, I mean, I ain't going to say that'll encourage people to go run out there recklessly and get hurt and play hard basketball like they would any other game, but. It's going to be different. I'm interested to see that as well. Like, you may get a little more, have more intense matchups because of some personal relationships. Yeah. You know, teams are like, well, I, you know, they, they, I'm sure they have clicks in the NBA, you know. <laughs> True. I mean, you you, you already got, you got the narrative. Of the best friendery of Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron, and D-Wade. I mean, Chris Bosh. Like, I mean, I don't know how it overlapped, but they be on yachts going on crew. You know what I'm saying? They do whatever. Yeah. So, like, have, like, a Steph Curry and then on the switch up, on the pick and roll, Draymond Green guarding Steph or something. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah, it could be some some crazy matchups going on there so that be I think that'd be fun for the audience at least and I'm I really like how the NBA is always willing to to adjust and uh make the try to make the game better. So that's crazy. I mean Sorry. I'm trying to fall back in love again and whatever the NBA wants to do to facilitate that, I support it. Um I just want to watch some good basketball and I'm a part of a fantasy league so it's about to get real. I really oh, have a chance yeah. to pay that's attention. Yeah, I'm going to wake up in the morning, roll over, set my little lineup up. You ain't going to catch me slipping, Double D. This is to you, partner. And catch me <laughs> slipping, but we're going to figure it out. I'm going to have a good time just just being a fan again. Nice, nice. We used to watch so much basketball. You finna have me paying attention to the uh, to the Mavs again. Like, <laughs> oh, you got to. Dennis Smith Jr. do not sleep on him. So right. He's going to dunk on a, on a handful of people this year. Ooh. Yeah. It's going right. Nasty. You've predicted it, you've caught it, so let it be said, so let it be done. You feel me? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, shoot, I ain't going to lie. We At the end now, there's been a whole refresher, whole reintroduction to the good life. Um, I feel good about it. Um, I'm excited for the new opportunity to come up uh, with the uh, the next show and to piece some stuff together. We're going to have coming up, I won't say this season because that's weird, but these next few episodes, (laughs) (laughs) we are definitely going to have – some more music for you. We're definitely going to have um, some interviews for you. We want to talk to some other people, get their voices peppered into here. Got a, we got a lot of good people in our networks and in our circles doing amazing things, and we want to really get them integrated into the show. You got commentary. You got feedback. If you made it to this point in the show, you're still rocking with us. We rock with you. We want to hear from you. Make sure you hit us up, the chop up email at gmail.com, the chop up email at gmail.com, and the Facebook, uh, which is facebook.com backslash chop up. Stay tuned. We always coming. We always got something on the way. Kim G. Much love to the people. Hey. <laughs> I got the flow or something. I mean, I'm with it. I was yeah. spending my mind with you. Like, much love to the people. Bow, bow. Like, much love to the people. Listen. All right. We go. I got you with the follow through. It's never a problem. Just let me know what we're doing. You feel me? Look. Hey, I love it. Hey, I love y'all. I love you, Cam G. We out this thing. You know what it is. It's the Chop Up. This is the Chop Up. This is the Chop Up. This is the Chop Up. And no one can do it live. My name is Cam G, the coolest. Allow me to do the honor. I'm with my sister, Toya G, and she's straight out of KC. Move to the West Coast, but still gonna keep it G. We got together to give the people something that's free. The Chop Up should come off organically, cause on the mic, on the phone, we gonna have these conversations anyway. And make sure you chop it up with us on the social media. And you can chop up any day, cause you can stream us in any place. And then I say I was Cam G, the coolest. Had to reel you in if you never knew us. Straight from Dallas, Texas, making OG maneuvers. And this is a recording where no one can do it live. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.